0: Greetings, I am the Proctor. Your previous instructor was more concerned with giving you a knowledge base, and yet I am concerned with how much you actually know. Do not forget that your exams will be the culminating activity for the year. I will forgo any questions for this class. In appropriate timing for this class, we will be discussing Rising Action, a literary term used when describing the setup for plot plotline. Observe this in the first piece, Detective Mack, part three.
1: My name is Detective Mack. I'm a detective, and that's why I call myself that. Anyway, if you've just joined us, Sandy Valentine and I just arrived at her place where her brother George was staying until I can bring down Eddie the Toad. Eddie is the guy who's after George because he failed to do a job for him. George just fell down the stairs. Luckily, Michael the gardener broke his fall when he landed. Oh, and Michael is dead. But we saved the baby. George was just a kid, I'm guessing not more than 20 years old. I'm still curious about why he's got this gig because his family is rich. There might be something more going on.
2: George, are you alright? Here. Sit down.
3: Thanks. Yeah, I think I'm okay. What are I trip on?
1: The stairs. Again? I had some questions for you, George. First, who
3: is your contact? His name is Bobby Romero. Word on the street that he was looking for a new delivery boy, and I was interested in making some extra cash. I met him at a certain meeting place on 4th in Washington. He gave me certain instructions and gave me a package and an envelope. The envelope was for me while the package was meant for delivery.
1: How did you get the job?
3: Um. When did you find out about Michael Bolton? I found out about the CDs a couple of weeks ago. I went on a couple of times with a feeling of disgust. And then I just couldn't do it anymore. When was your last scheduled drop-off? Last Saturday. I knew that they would be after me, so I called Sandy, and I've been hiding here ever since. Did you call anyone after that for help? Okay...
1: Why did you take this job? Your family's got more than enough dough to keep you in a life of luxury.
3: Because I got tired of it. Being waited on hand and foot, it got so boring. Someone getting paid to scratch my itches, clip my toenails, chew my food? I wanted to live my life, not spend my life doing absolutely nothing and be coot-up in here!
1: Okay, that might explain it. Alright, now I have one very important question for you. Um... okay? Who lives in a pineapple under the sea? Arr.
2: Detective, what is our next move?
1: I knew this wasn't going to be easy. I needed some assistance. Luckily, I knew someone from the old days at the precinct I could trust. His name? Clyde Angus. I used to be his partner before I got kicked out of the force because my superior found a white powdery substance in my locker. I tried to explain to them that it was powdered sugar for my coffee, but it was too late. I was stripped of my rank, my dignity, my honor, and my space.
2: Well, stop standing around and give him a call.
1: Yeah, good idea. Oh, excuse me. Detective Mack, what do you want? Hey, Mack. Clyde? I was just mentioning you in voiceover.
4: Really? I just wanted to give you a call to see how you were doing.
1: I'm fine, Clyde, thanks. It's just that I need your help. I'm at the Valentine's residence right now. How quick can you get here?
0: Sorry I took so long. I had to put Betty Lou to bed. Your daughter? No, my shotgun. I just came back from up north there, eh?
1: Oh, Clyde, I'd like to introduce you to George and Sandy Valentine.
0: Hello. Hi.
4: Glad to meet you both.
2: Well, my brother got in trouble with the mob, and I hired Detective Mac to help protect him and to stop Eddie the Toad from killing him. And then Michael the gardener dies, and we had to wait until this time to tell these people what's going on. Now, here we are.
1: Um... What people?
2: The people listening to this file.
1: Uh, Sandy, he doesn't know.
2: Doesn't know what? Oh... What? Um, nothing. Let's just try to protect my brother and stop Eddie the Toad. George, could you go into the kitchen and make some coffee for our
3: guests? Yeah, sure.
2: Oh George, George, watch out for the stove. I think I left it on before I left this morning. Yeah, Yeah, I left it on.
1: Clyde, can you help me? I know that we haven't been able to work together for an entire year, but you're the only one I can trust. Mac, you had me at hello. Okay, that was kind of creepy, but I'll take it as a yes. Let's get George to a safer place so we can plan our next move.
2: He's just down the hall in the kitchen. I'll get him. George, we gotta go. George? George!
1: So, Clyde, you get any bucks lately? Nope.
4: Nope. Me and the guy spent two weeks up in deer camp and never even fired a shot. Although one guy hit
1: one with this truck.
2: Mac. Clyde.
1: What, Sandy? What is it?
2: It's George. He's... he's gone.
1: <clears throat> um, that's your cue to end it?
0: Commence free discussion. Vocal auditory sensors deactivated. Hey. Discussion over. Time frame elapsed. Continue and observe the next piece, also an example of rising action Roxy and the Trash Man, Part 3.
5: Thank you for choosing the Infinite Encyclopedia for your information needs. The Grand City of Lona is, of course, of such a nature, size and complexity that its true scope and shape is considered to be beyond the full comprehension of a single mortal mind. Many have tried to understand Lona as a complete single entity over the course of time, with the results ranging from the most horrible of deaths such as that of Makita the Nun-Two-Wives, found petrified in the extremely large library of Crumhaven, or that of Elric the Idiot, who paused to contemplate the wholeness of Lona whilst crossing a busy street. To various shades of insanity, most of which polite people do not discuss, and to successful careers as mad prophets, as happened with the infamous Yakmak the Insensible, who began the widespread church of the infinitesimal Watt. Uh, please press the green button for more information. This paradigm, sometimes known as too much information, and sometimes as TLDR, for too long didn't rationalise, also applies of course to the infrastructure and understructure of LONA, especially in the area of waste management. In the beginning, LONA, following as it did the basic structural intent of cities and city-states, made every attempt to follow standard systems and procedures. This very quickly proved to be a mistaken approach, a point emphasised by the great effluvium tragedy that left the city in sad shape, numerous parallel and intertwined realities in tatters, and three-quarters of the city management staff in a decaying orbit around a distant star where they remain to this day, having begun an offshoot civilization widely considered to be the most officious ever to have existed, and almost totally incapable of making an actual decision. The surviving city managers, one and all driven insane by the catastrophe, embarked upon a new course of action. Once they had worked the urge to kill out of their systems, and surrendered their weapons to those law enforcement who survived, they utilized their time of incarceration to develop a plan to handle these difficult issues through the use of heretofore difficult workers. If the problem was itself the epitome of madness, then they would put those who comfortably embraced madness to work on it. Thus were created entirely new and different kinds of workers' guilds, and very different workers, such as the sewer people, the road makers, the tunnel girls, the trashmen, and more.
6: Good! Yeesh, you think you never saw food before? Yeah, well... Not like this. Not like this. Yeah, like this place. Never saw anything this nutsy before. Looks kinda like one of everything. Hell, maybe one and a half of everything and two and a half of some stuff.
7: Oh, one and a half and two and a half and three quarters of this and that. And a complete absence of that which I lack, of course. And so many mysterious items that I cannot fathom. Well, it's always junk that comes my way, of course. Trash and effluvia. I can't ever recall No, no, never wise know whether having had people come my way I and mean, in job lots like that I always have a bit of a route around before I do me work, you see never do know when there might be something I'd want to keep and here I find myself some people real living, breathing, yawping and yowling people I'm so glad
6: Ain't such a good life, huh?
7: No, I don't know about that I enjoy it, it's just... Lonely? Just me and my junk to keep each other company? Well, there's the fnork,
6: too. Yeah, you and the fnork. What's a fnork
7: do? What does a fnork do? Well, it does! Well, at any rate, it lives. And it snorks.
6: Fnorks? Of course it
7: fnorks, young lady. That's how he got his name, after all. It fnorks, therefore it is a snork. Sounds disgusting. It is not disgusting. It is a fnork. Uh, if it's a
6: fnork and it fnorks, what does it fnork when it's fnorking about?
7: It fnorks things. It fnorks trash, detritus, effluvium, and jetsam, all the rumpled, crumpled, and discarded. It fnorks and does not give anything back to Lona when it does so. It fnorks great globs of filthy stuff by which it survives and I presume grows. In short, the Fnork is a thief.
6: Okay.
7: Taste good. <laughs>
6: so why don't you do something about it if it's such a damn problem?
7: <laughs> well well, course. It's as easy as that, is it? Just go out and catch it or kill it. And there goes me entertainment and things. Oh don't see
6: why you're so mad at it, considering it's just doing kind of what you do, right?
7: It is my duty to be mad about it, young lady. I am the appointed guardian of the refuse of Lona, and this snort comes blithely stealing me garbage. But if it wasn't for that, what would my life be? Bland! Like steamy creamy porridge without salt or sugar, that's what, bland like the sex life of a preacher or a poet or a pencil pusher. I'd have no excitement. My life would lack meaning.
6: So why don't you just try talking to it?
7: Talk to the fnork? Preposterous. it only fnork me and what use would that be to anyone? I'd be fnorked and this thief of a fnork would have the run of the garbage and everything would pile up and break down and then they'd get mad at me. How'd anybody get mad at you if he was fnorked?
6: Ain't what he's saying, stupid. He don't want to get fnorked in the first place. Ain't, ain't nobody knows what it's like to get fnorked anyway. Could be it ain't bad, like like dying or whatever. Yeah, anyway, how you gonna know whether fnork's gonna fnork you? You ain't even tried talking to it. Could be it only wants some love and attention or something.
7: Uh, this is all academic talk. Sweep so it under the carpet. Put it out of sight. Your mother program taught you all the wrong things. I've got one that will not only teach you all the right things, but also the correct way of speaking. You talk like harlots and barflies. You know, all slurs and slips and dropped endings and beginnings and like that.
6: Ain't the wrong way.
7: Oh yes, it
6: is. Ain't. It is. Ain't gonna start arguing with you. You ain't even giving that poor old Fnork a fighting chance.
7: If you're also interested in the welfare of the thieving beast, why don't you go out and see it for yourself? Have a nice little chat, eh? Tea and crumpets.
6: Uh, what? Okay. I'll go talk to that poor old Fnork, and then I'm going to find my way out of this stupid place, and you can go to hell, you overgrown bag of warmed up wind. Janie, maybe you oughtn't be nasty like that. Ain't no tellin' what he'll do. Ain't gonna do nothin'. Old man's too damn scared. What's he gonna do? Slap my tail for me? Huh? Give me the stinky eye? I ain't afraid of no fancy talkin' trash man. No, no, no.
7: I'll take you up on this, young lady. Find the snail. Make it friendly. Bring it back here. Then, I'll help to get you back. How do you know we want to go back? Well, of course you do. It's only natural. We ain't too natural. Neither is Vnork.
3: G.
6: You should have switched him back on. Why? Well, he ain't much good right
7: now, dumb like he is. Well, at least he doesn't make endless complaints.
6: Nazi neither.
7: Hey, is that it? No, 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 that's a recycler, not a fnork. Oh, I know. Mean and round and black and a little bit striped, especially with its big bell snout. And has these huge, huge, huge eyes that seem sad and about to cry. Little girl eyes, you might say.
6: Are you sure you ain't seen people in a while?
7: Of course I'm sure. Never had any special need for them, nah, not that hate people, oh, no, nothing like that, just so I can live without them. What about you, with your life down in corridors and catacombs, nobody's seen in perhaps hundreds of years? That's different,
6: we got each other, plus they use Joey now and then.
7: They? Who are they? Them. So terribly cryptic, you know, like a secret password or a spy story. Except there's not been a spy needed in years and years. Since Lona was, in fact. Since it was? Well, you know, it was. Because suddenly all the parameters for it not being were altered. When Lona became necessary, you see, it became. It filled a hole in the fabric of multi reality. Possibly, when the parameters shift again, Lona will just simply poof and not be anymore. We're just a pimple on the face of space-time, dear girl.
3: <laughs>
7: Indeed. Reality is as cryptic and mysterious as those theys who use jelly. That's what makes it fun. You have your way of observing reality, and I have mine. I see the world within a trash
6: can. And I guess my realities are quarters and stuff, huh?
7: Probably. Confusion's all in the... Eye of the Beholder, all that. This desert, this sea, this world of garbage, where does it all come from? I convert it all eventually in a quite a good clip too. But still it comes, and the flow in at least equals a conversion flow outwards. Cyclically speaking, that means that something out there is reversing what I do in its entirety. I wonder, when I go E equals MC squared, does someone else then square the speed of light and divide energy by it to give me back the mass for conversion? Hmm, thermodynamically speaking, it's very possible, you know, very possible. Heisenbergically speaking, on the other hand, I ought to notice gaps, errors, inconsistencies here and there and probably everywhere. I shouldn't be getting back exactly what I'm putting out, I think, it should be less or perhaps more considering growth and all that, but it never varies. No change in convertible mass. It's a little like a magic bank account. Or perhaps not.
6: It sounds like you got a problem. After all that, I've
7: got a headache. Ah, no, not really a problem, just a puzzle. I suppose they are responsible for it. It's nice to be able to blame an invisible figure. It's, uh, it's the.
0: Finally, next week is the culminating activity, so be prepared. I look forward to what you will present to me. No further activities. Matrices on standby. Supplemental Inquiry Course Schedule.
4: The students have finally reached the moment of truth.
0: This class is of great importance, the final class of this year. Each of you has spent this past year studying humanity with proper logical thought, and soon I will assess your final presentations.
4: The class, for once, is conducted by the students and not the proctor, as each of them gets their
0: moment to shine. Let us begin. Group one, students one, 2, 3, and 4 Please present The Proctor
4: grades the students and the students prepare to move on Make sure to be on time as Seminar Issue 12 premieres on January twenty fifth, two 2008 only at PendantAudio.com Next week On the next, The Kingery
1: Hey, Asa. um, can we talk? What's on your mind? Something happened, and I, I can't pretend it didn't. You know, just today Jawbone was telling me this wild story about how you, of all people, laid him out with a punch. Well, uh, boss,
0: the fact is, I did. Body Model Vivian, the newest addition to the Kingery S.O. Wild lineup. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's... that's me. That's my body.
5: Someone took a shower here recently, after Robert's disappeared. Someone's been living here.
4: Next time on The Kingery, only at PendantAudio.com.
3: he got me. <laughs> you won. All he took was little packets of heaven, opened by cheap women from hell.
2: Oh, I shut your pie hole. For the love of Jesus.
4: And in one month, in the next chapter of Once Upon a Time in Vegas, we find the Queen is more than what she previously appeared.
6: Drink this. All of it.
4: Not this time. Not again. I don't want Ginger. I don't even like Ginger. I'll sit here, away from her, and then I can't betray Terry.
5: Yo! Oh, my stomach. No. Why am I thinking about Ginger? I want Terry.
4: Terry. Ginger. You have to have Ginger. No one else. Ginger. The young girl fears she's been backed into a corner. This
2: isn't normal. You should have lost interest by now. The other guys all did. Tessa? Why are we whispering? Because I'm trying not to wake someone up. I have a problem. I think it's a big problem, but I'm not sure. It may not be a problem at all. I have to talk to you and Terry. Look, meet us at the
4: canard for lunch tomorrow. The queen's magic mirror makes a grievous mistake.
6: Who do you want, slave? Who? Who do you want? Terry. What?
4: Oh, shit. But despite the odds, the fair maiden will connect with her true love.
2: Danny, are you asking me out on a date? again? Uh, is that okay? The story continues on January 18th, 2008.
4: Only at pendantaudio.com
0: Supplemental inquiry, cast of players and seminar,
4: featuring the voice talents of Mike Winters as the Proctor in Detective Mac Philip Weber as Detective Mac, Susan Bridges as Sandy, David Alexander McDonald as George, and Mike Winters as Clyde, written by Mike Winters. In Roxy and the Trashman, David Alt is The Infinite Encyclopedia, Ara Palodi as Janie, Paul Mannering is Joey, Catherine Pride as Linda, Cindy Kirkendall as Roxy, and Tim Kelby as The Trashman, written by Stephen E. McDonald. Directed by Catherine Pride. Edited by Jeffrey Bridges. Original music by David Alexander MacDonald. Produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2007, Pendant Productions. Seminar co-created by Catherine Pride and Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2007, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.